Hello and welcome. Today we're live with Ross Brand and we're going to be talking about the power of video, live streaming video, not just video, but live streaming video for your business and business marketing. So today I welcome, I hope right now, whoops, <laughs> I'm taking them out of the stream, I'm, not lo I'm losing it. Okay guys, give me one sec to get rid of this Ah, and show you Ross and I. Hello, Ross. Here we are. How are you, Sue Ann? I'm so happy to see you. I can't even tell you. It's just thrilling to have you. You've taught me so much about live streaming and really have made me more enthusiastic about it overall. Well, that's great. <laughs> and thank you so much for having me on the show. It's it's great to uh, see what you're doing here on, on YouTube and Facebook and glad to be a part of it. Well, let me tell you guys a little bit about Ross in case you're not up to date. Ross Brand is a professional live streamer. He's served in many capacities, including red carpet host for the Emmy Award-winning Never Settle Show, which is a produced by Al Roker Entertainment Group. Um, he's a brand ambassador for Wirecast, an on-camera host for a lot of Facebook Live uh, video and LinkedIn Live developers and producers and broadcasts casters. He offers broadcast solutions, and he's also involved and talks about StreamYard. He does the StreamYard Connect show weekly. He also is a part of Be Live and Live You. Was a part. Okay. <laughs> Whoops, now, now you're strictly the stream yard. But he was also selected as one of five live video experts to follow by Switcher Studio. And so you could say, if you want to, that Ross, today's guest, is, here's my name for you, Ross, the king of stream. Wow, I'm honored. <laughs> I, I, I should put a crown on or something. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm, of course, too humble for that. So Of course. <laughs> you know, um, I am going to screenshot that, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. Ross, I, I, that's why I am so pleased to have you, because as I'm learning about live streaming, and so are a lot of people, um, particularly in the new work-from-home environment we're all faced with, um, as we're learning about live streaming, you are, you know, you're the go-to guy for like everybody and you are the face of StreamYard. And so um, it's really great to have you on board and be able to pick your brain a little bit today with um, what's going on in live streaming and why people might want to be involved in live streaming for their business. Sounds good. Go ahead and fire those questions away. Okay, so I'm going to throw you one. Okay. Out of the blue here. That's <laughs> uh -oh. not on your pre pre question ideas. Right off script already. <laughs> right off script. So <laughs> I love it that way. Here's why. Because this is this is the one thing that probably, you know, to get the obstacle out of the way, my question is this. In your perspective, what mm -hmm. is the hardest thing, the most challenging part of live streaming? 
Wow, that's a great question. Um, and you know, whenever somebody says that's a great question, it usually means they're stalling for time so that they can think of an answer. But it actually is a great question. <laughs> the I love hardest to catch thing you about off. live streaming is finding the right balance when it comes to engaging the chat. So when do I bring in questions and comments from the chat? How do I do that? When do I focus on the guest, for example, exclusively? Uh, do I put comments on the screen but not shout people out? Do I shout people out but not put comments on the screen? Um, and how do I engage the chat? Do I put a question out there for people to get the chat going? Do I just do the content that I would do regardless of if anybody was chatting? It, there's a lot of questions that that you could ask yourself when it goes into managing the chat. But I think that is often the most challenging thing. Uh, coming from, from a radio background, of course, we didn't see an active chat. We didn't really have an idea who was listening at the moment. And unless we were taking calls, that was our only interaction with an audience while we were live. So it's a very different way of broadcasting or, or creating content, but it's a very powerful thing when done right. You can do Q&As, you can do product demos, you can do webinars, you can do all sorts of different content in which your whole focus is engagement with the audience, or you can do a more blended type of show such as what you're doing now where you may bring in questions, but essentially you're doing it more podcast style as an interview with your guest. Yeah, you know, you really hit the nail on the head there because I would have to agree with you. That is one of the trickiest things. You want to bring people in, but you're also trying, especially if you're a rookie such as myself, you're trying to, you know, operate the production. You're trying to remember to put up a banner. You're trying to remember to mention that Ross is the king of stream. You know, you're trying to throw that ticker in. You're trying to, and you know, you've taught, like I have, I have put in at your, um, with your uh, little bit of help there, I've put in a second uh, screen now so that I can have a monitor if I'm, if I'm presenting. Now, today is an interview type format, but if I'm presenting information, I'm going to be playing with that second screen as a way to see the presentation and also be able to work from the panel behind the, the scenes here to put the production because I am not just, you know, the personality and the, the, you know, the show talent. I'm also the producer, right, Ross, when you do this live streaming? You're everything. I mean, you are the entire operation there. So you have to be able to set things up in a way that allows you to host and yet still have access to all the information, all the buttons, all the different things that you have to do. It's a challenge that people in, in TV almost have never had to, to deal with for the most part. Running a, a show like this is, is requires you to wear many hats. Let's put it that way. It, there's a lot of different things that you have to do that in a traditional, say, TV station, traditional news department or entertainment show would be divided up am, amongst a whole bunch of different people. 
Right, right. In other words, like a small business owner, which likely you already are, even if you're entering this space now, um, you might be kind of used to wearing all the hats. But then again, you know, the technicalities, and that's some of the stuff we'll talk about today. Now, um, the other thing, oh, oh, Miss Eileen is here. She's saying hi, Sarian, and hi, Ross. How about me? I caught a comment (laughs) in the fly here. So that's super cool. I appreciate you being here, Miss Eileen. And you are another one who have taught me so many things. and help to, you know, project that I should, you know, get out of my shell and go ahead and be brave and get on video and audio. And that's a huge thing, I think. Um, so um, I think that that's the other thing I noticed, Ross, is people are using live streams for like a million purposes. Like you said, it's a great way to connect with your audience. And I wrote up, let me know if you think this is true or not. I wrote up first, let me hide the ticker. I wrote up this little thing um, earlier today, if I can find it. And it's sort of my definition. Um, and I can't find it. It's my definition, I can tell you what it is without finding it. It's my definition kind of of what live streaming means in the business and marketing world and especially in the digital space. I think that that digi- that uh, live streaming is a form of video marketing, but it also is enhancing the ability for relationship building, like being able to answer those um comments and Miss Eileen is saying I'm proud of you Sue Ann you are doing it <laughs> you know uh-huh. so th- that's super cool I think also it is um, reflecting the current state of marketing which isn't just about projecting your marketing out there but actually bringing people in to your business you know who are your advocates and who are your fans and who are your clients all, all different aspects of people who are your community, I guess, so to speak. And I think that you can reach those people so much easier and quicker and more directly through the live stream. Wouldn't you agree? I think so. I, I think it's it's certainly a powerful tool for brand awareness when you're going live regularly, when you're letting people across your network on different social channels, on email, on uh, maybe with advertising, however you're getting your message out there, you're letting people know, I'm going live, I'm talking about the product, or I'm talking about the industry, or I'm doing something that's related to what your customers might want to come out for. You are capturing attention on a bunch of social platforms, even if they don't actually come and watch the live show, just by doing the promotion and the repurposing follow-up you're getting in front of a lot of people across a lot of different social networks um and it's also great for new customer acquisition because you can answer questions from people in the chat they may ask you about your product or service because they are genuinely interested or genuinely have a need for that and aren't sure where to go and if you can answer their question or solve their problem um that's a a great start in in converting someone to becoming a customer uh but i i also think that now with the with the lockdown but also with technology advancing actually doing sales like literally selling products and services with platforms like amazon live with 
Instagram, Amazon, integrating, you know, all all this sales technology and, and e-commerce technology is going to be integrated into a live stream. So it'll no longer be like if you enjoy my show, go up, go over to my website, sign up. I can send you something. You can buy this or here's my Amazon link. Go. No, it'll be literally like they buy it off the shelf while they're watching your video and well, That's you've going seen to be auctions, the next level of it. <laughs> right? Auctions. I've seen mm-hmm. auctions and like church fundraisers. So, on you know, through live stream. So, that would be a form of what you're talking about, like in its infancy now, right? Um, uh, even absolutely. theater productions I've right. seen or museum <laughs> uh, tours or. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lifeline for businesses right now. It's a lifeline for artists, for entertainment. It's a lifeline for musicians because all the things that they used to do in person, whether it was a, a musician putting on a concert in person and selling tickets or a brick-and-mortar store owner having foot traffic to their store and talking to customers one-on-one or vendors going to trade shows and meeting with people in the industry and talking about their new product. All that isn't available right now. So those who've been able to pivot and, and take their, their that communication with their customers and potential customers to live video have an asset that most most businesses did not have. So I don't think they're going to relinquish that even if we go back to all the different types of face-to-face contact that we had because they're seeing the value of it and it's literally saved businesses that would not have survived because they were built entirely around the in-shop experience. And the owner of the business, the manager, or someone on their team came up with the idea of putting something together that, one, worked as a show, but two, also had a direct line of sight back to their revenue, back to selling the products or services that they are known for. So when you can bring those two elements together, that's when live streaming is really at its best. When you can create a piece of content that is of interest, that is of value, that is entertaining in and of itself, but at the same time can lead people to become a customer, can can answer a question or help or provide value to a customer, that's when you're hitting it at the highest level, right? You're, so, aligning, you're aligning that business value with that customer desire, right? right? I mean... And I think you've answered really that that's how powerful this medium is to business. And also that there are many benefits then from live streaming. So I would say, would you agree that it's here to stay? This isn't just, you know, a phase that we're going through. Um, I think it maybe got accelerated with the current Mm. condition, but I would say that it's going to develop into new directions and bigger directions and continue for sure, as a mainstream thing. Sure, and and that key word that you mentioned was accelerator, because we already had the building blocks in place. People were getting experience going live. It was a normal thing now for a lot of people who spend time on social media. If they weren't going live, they were seeing other people and consuming live content. And the technology had come along to where 
tools like StreamYard and Zoom make it possible for anybody to really get on live video without a special super-powered computer or knowing which wire has to be plugged into switchers and cameras and all sorts of things and how to route audio that people might have had to know, uh, you know, a few years back. So the technology for doing stable broadcasts is here and doing stable content. And you put all that together and it was all in place. So what you said about accelerating, the, the pandemic was an accelerant, right? It made it, people who were looking at it or considering it or wondering if they could get the budget for it it made it a business necessity but it was gonna happen anyway it just happened a lot faster and like i say i think anybody who's doing it with any success is not going to drop it for some other type of marketing because and i said this in 2015 and i think it's still true today although it depends on how you, you do it. But the, the risk-reward is still low risk, high reward, as long as you have people that you can trust won't embarrass your business, your company, your, your reputation. Then it's otherwise low risk, it's low expense, it's something you can, you can certainly start and stop, you can change up. It's not buying expensive machinery. It's not investing in a, a, a very long ad contract in which you don't even know how to measure whether anybody's getting their real eyeballs on that or not. You know, um, digital has a lot of different ways to give us feedback that traditional advertising did not. It's just that those metrics aren't yet industry-wide accepted among big media as they might have been by now had they as been highly more relevant as they are the early. right right so uh, you know nielsen ratings and 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 arbitron ratings for radio nielsen for tv all have this, this sense of like this is the industry standard it's been around forever but in fact it's not very precise if you look at how it's it's done nobody's ever asked me what i listen to or what i watch <laughs> on tv but every time i click into one of your live streams you get data that people are watching that people are commenting like miss eileen commenting just a few minutes ago and so th there's that as well. You you get immediate feedback. What's working? What's not working? What do people like? They can tell you right in the chat, right? <laughs> I love it. On your streams, people are asking like constant questions. Like there's so many questions you can't get to them all. But that's the other thing. If you have questions for Ross, you can put them in. If you're on Facebook, there is a link to let StreamYard see who you are. But the really cool thing about that, like with Miss Eileen, I think I'm like I can't i put her comment up i think let's see oh look yeah. i did it that's first time i ever put a comment up <laughs> so go. thank you ross look at that but yeah so if you're on facebook and if you watch the replay people come back around like ross comes back around when after you watch a stream if you have a question and he missed it he will reply to you in the comments which i think is super cool and um if you want to get a hold of ross he is i ross brand on twitter and live stream universe is his um 
is one of his, uh, also another uh, brand for him that you can go on and jump on his live stream universe. Ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's live stream universe on Facebook and YouTube, and it's iRoss brand And then on he Twitter. does... StreamYard Connect also, which we can't forget because we are broadcasting today uh, for you on the StreamYard platform uh, because it is an excellent platform and it's uh, where we're learning to do, at least where I'm learning to do this and and something that Ross talks about often. Um, So that's one of the things I was, that's, you kind of already answered in what we were just discussing the uh, question. Look, first-time commenter, <laughs> I bet. That's awesome. I don't know. <laughs> That's too funny, huh? So, yeah, it's really kind of cool because um, it's just, it's all a learning process, which, you know, in business is, you know, something you should be doing at all times. You should be trying to improve and learn at all times with your business. But on top of that, you have a way to directly connect to your audience. And then what Ross just answered was the question of the barrier to doing live stream. There are none. You you can do it. And StreamYard makes it extremely easy. Do you want to go ahead and throw out the three StreamYard uh, laws of how they work? <laughs> <laughs> the three laws of StreamYard live streaming the three pillars established by gage van and top and dan briggs the co-founders are ease of use stability and professional looking streams and, and those look are how the, professional that is the pillars <laughs> that really influence every decision that they make about whether to add a feature or add add some aspect to the product or not what I really love about it is the ease of use that you can send me a link. And even though we had this planned for a while, I literally jumped on, I think, two minutes before the show started. And you don't have to do anything. You don't have to crop my video. You don't have to uh, figure out how to route my audio. It's all there. It's stable. So you haven't had to ask me, oh, Ross, can you refresh your browser Maybe you have a, a another window open in Chrome. Can you shut that? Can you, you know, check if you're plugged in? No, it's just working. It's just working. We're both coming from different locations. It works locations. better than me because I'm not always ready, <laughs> but it's going on. <laughs> it's going on even if I'm not going on. <laughs> but, you know, I, what, th- that's the thing. So that's the, the answer, you guys. The barrier is like zero. You can get on StreamYard. You can even get on the free version of StreamYard. And today, right now we're on periscope we're on facebook and we're on youtube why not why not go to your different channels that you are on you know actively on um some people are on linkedin you have to get permission to do video on linkedin but uh ross i'm sure are you you're on linkedin i am i haven't been that active on linkedin live lately if you asked me a year ago i would have said it's the best opportunity now i'm not so sure uh, but that could change again. See, the algorithms and platforms are constantly changing. So a year ago, they couldn't push your stuff in front of more people. I mean, it was like everybody in your network. So if you had a good network on LinkedIn, you could you could really be broadcasting to a large audience. Now they don't seem to be really pushing your lives, at least when I was going live still to LinkedIn. And maybe I have to start it up again. Maybe I have to try just going to LinkedIn or try different content for it. But uh, I've 
talked to a lot of people who've been active on LinkedIn Live, and they've all talked about how right now it's it's very tough to get much organic reach on on LinkedIn. Well, the thing about it is you've pointed out that you might want to alter your con. Uh, content for different channels. Now, I talk about kind of the same thing, business and content, uh, pretty much with my podcast, with my blogs, with my um, audience on all my channels. And I'm big on Twitter, even though Twitter isn't considered, you know, really the, the place to live stream. I'm a Twitterer, though. So why not you know, include that is my thinking. But, um, you know, I think you've talked about all kinds of reasons why it's smart to live stream. And I, here's what I said before my definition. Live streaming is entrenched in the relationship building as a form of social selling, and it's reflecting the current state of marketing in the digital space, meaning that your audience, your community, your clients, um, your colleagues are all part of the process. There's a lot of collaboration going on right now in marketing and on the internet. And, you know, when we share each other's content, we're collaborating. When I'm learning from you and then passing that information on to my audience, we're collaborating. Um, so do you think the success of live streaming in that case is proven that it doesn't really depend on special equipment or expensive tools? Well, I don't I think it the content is what matters because if the content isn't good, you know, bad content in a million dollar studio is still bad content, right? But good content, uh lo-fi, low res is still worth paying attention to as long as you can clearly hear the audio and you're not missing words and missing what people are saying or it's not completely unpleasant to listen to. If people like the the value that you're providing, they like what you're what you're talking about, makes them laugh, makes them think, teaches them something that they can do to make more money in their business or have better relationships or whatever their their goal is and and whatever your content is, then they don't really care about little increments of of bet and that's what it is. I mean, if you're going to spend a lot of money, you're doing it for yourself in part or you you're doing it because you're you're working with clients who demand a certain level of of production but i went live the first let's see the first two plus years that i was doing this i went live with my built-in webcam in my computer and a usb microphone that cost me i think 49 dollars at the time so everything that I did in terms of establishing myself was done with those two basic tools that anybody could pretty much afford and and probably have. You could other people have gone live and built their their brand online through using their mobile phone. Your mobile phone probably has a now has a much better camera than your webcam and probably better for video than than even some you know, uh, point-and-shoot cameras do. So so everyone has hope. There, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you could take your phone, you could put it on, I've got something else on it, but you could put it on this handheld tripod that costs, I think, under $20. The phone is expensive, but I assume most people have one. Yeah, so, that's already so in your the, inventory. Right, right. 
or you can get a USB handheld style style mic for fifty nine to seventy nine dollars. You can get a boom arm. This one has to be stronger because this mic is quite heavy. But the one I used before it literally cost, I think, twelve ninety nine. So if you get the audio right, and then you have a webcam built into your computer, or you get an inexpensive webcam when the companies, not really the companies, but the people that sell us those webcams that the companies make who are price gouging, uh, when, when that isn't happening and you get a decent webcam, a Logitech C920, $50, That's what I'm using, $50 the or a C922X for $75 to $100. Um, look at stores that don't mark things up like B&H, Adorama, um, those, look at those places right now because there's not a third party seller after them or a fourth party seller. So look at those and see what you can, you can get. Maybe it's the prices up a little bit, but if you can get a webcam for under a hundred dollars, you can get a microphone for under a hundred dollars. You've got the building blocks. But like I say, you could use your phone as your camera. You, there's a lot of different things you can do that really cost no money. Um, the, the one thing I would recommend not doing, although if you have to, get on and do what you do. But I, I would say I don't recommend using your computer's built-in mic. It's too far you, you, from you. It's going to pick up a lot of noise. It's not a, a great quality preamp, although... Mac claims that its latest MacBook Pro is like studio sound quality microphone. I don't know if it is or it isn't. Uh, assuming you type on your keys, you click your mouse, any of that stuff, you're making noise right by where those microphones probably are. And, you know, what do you have to spend? $2,500 for a MacBook Pro that has that quality? So why not... Why not get use what you have, right? And then there are lamps. You and then slowly, slowly house. build up. At least right. that's how that's how it seems like. And one thing I learned from Ross, when you're looking for your mics, this is, I think, important, and people might not know. There's two kinds of mics, and there's two kinds of mics. <laughs> there's dynamic and condenser, which you taught me about. So there's those to look at. And then there's also whether it's a analog mic, which isn't meant to be plugged in digitally, so it needs another component to get plugged in to be a digital mic, or whether it's a digital-ready mic to plug into a USB. So that's one thing also I think people need to know, and at first you might not realize that differentiation. Yeah, I, I, I actually have a video that I'm planning to publish this afternoon that if you want to get a mic that's much like this, that's a traditional studio mic but don't want to deal with having to buy an audio interface and other gear to plug it into or a mixer uh, and you want to just go usb there is a mic that i'm going to talk about in my video that's coming out this afternoon that that is just incredible it's the best it's the best dynamic usb mic i've ever heard and it really shows that even on a usb mic you can sound good uh, the difference between using even an inexpensive USB mic and talking right into your webcam's built-in camera or your computer's built-in camera is huge. Now, the pickup on the phones isn't bad. Like, if you had to just use the phone without even a mic, 
that's not bad. Obviously, if you can plug a little mic into the phone that, that you know, will take away a little bit of the uh, general noise in the environment and focus more on your voice, that's good. But it's, again, not necessary. Literally, I've seen people prop their phone on candy bars and on books and, you know, and just click go live and do it. The and candy bar... I like that, the candy bar stack. I'm using a piece of wood right, right. A, 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 to hold my mic in position because I wanted it to be a little bit higher today than in the past. I rearranged it with uh, your advice. Yeah, it sounds um, great being so, uh, so close to you. It really does. Because mine is a condenser mic, and it's meant to work that way. So... It's in, it's interesting that and and as as the point too that Ross made that was important lesson too is that the audio quality and the audio content is even more important maybe perhaps than the video content even in your live stream because people if they can hear your message if they're getting you know good quality information that's what's going to be important am I, I right I think. Absolutely. And there's a simple way to demonstrate it. I can turn off my camera and the conversation continues and you can still hear what I'm saying and you can ask me questions and people can hear my questions or I can turn off your sound and then we're <laughs> that was good ross so when i turn off my microphone it gets it's going to get old in a hurry right because there's no more content really coming out um i'm i'm not uh you know i'm not at one of the eight wonders of the world uh, that was a great demonstration room, so. buddy <laughs> i liked it and not to mention you're you know you have special equipment that'll let you you know go fade to black so <laughs> now that is impressive <laughs> so so audio is definitely the most important thing to pay attention to for your best chance of success doing your live stream show um, and then what would you recommend in that case for a top pick for your microphone and that show that you have coming out later to talk about the microphone uh, that you're going to talk about. Is that a live show? Uh, no, it's a, uh, a video? It's just a recorded video uh, clip from uh, from a live show, but it focuses just on that, what we talked about with related to that microphone. Is, uh, is this a Shure microphone? I may have could, caught that. It could well be. It could well be. Uh, it sure is. Um, it sure so, might be. But um bum So, <laughs> so my, my recommendation, if you're starting out, and you want to be budget conscious, uh, my recommendation is the Samson Q2U USB mic. It comes with both a USB plug-in, so you can plug it right to your computer, and it also comes with an XLR connection. So as you grow and you may add a mixer or you may use it to give a speech somewhere and plug it into a live soundboard, you, you can do a lot of different things with it. You can grow with it. It's a very good quality mic for an entry-level USB mic. It's what I used for the first two years that I was, uh, two plus years that I was live streaming, maybe the first three years. And it's not going to break the bank. So uh, I got it for $49. I believe now it's between $59 and $79. Excellent. So, um, 
it comes with a little foam windscreen that you can put on the front of the mic so that your breathing doesn't get picked up by the mic as much. Uh, and so that 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 is a excellent mic for anyone, but it's particularly excellent for people starting out because of the simplicity of plugging it in USB. If you want a premium USB mic, you want to really step it up. There is the Shure MV7, which is kind of designed to be like this mic and one other Shure mic, but it's it's also different and it can be used both USB or with a XLR plug-in. So you can use it either analog or digital. And if you use a digital, it comes with an app that lets you do some processing. Uh, you can EQ your voice and add compression. And it's even set up so that you can you can put a setting on either for if you're near the mic or you're far from the mic. So a lot of people like to not have the mic right in, in their shot. Well, this is a mic that's actually made with that idea. Most mics like this, you assume that the person's going to be close to the mic. Um, so that's another, you know, that's an option if you want to spend a little more. Uh, but those are probably your two. I, I mean, I would say start with the Samsung Q2U. If you like it and you're doing this for a while and you're happy with your content, then you could look at the Shure MV7 or you could start looking at uh, XLR mics, you know, mics that would you would plug into an interface or a mixer. And one thing, one thing to understand is unlike video gear, professional audio gear is not out of range, right? It's, it's expensive compared to what you think you might have spent if you weren't doing this, but not like getting a professional camera, you know, a professional video camera would cost. Uh, you can get a decent mic for $99, $100. You can get a good audio interface for under $200. Um, there's one called uh, by Audient called Evo, I think. You could you could get a, a Sennheiser E835 mic or a Shure SM58, both handheld mics. You could plug them into that audio interface, and for $220, $240, you could have very, very good mic and, and interface, and you've hardly spent anything right. in comparison it, it's but a good investment right right there's i mean when i worked in radio we took the sm58 when we went out to cover events and and you know press conferences and so these are these are legitimate pro mics They're, i was surprised you know, at the rich history that sure the shore mics have and that how how much they're uh in the performance industry as well that they're a you know known and historically rich uh company for microphones well this was the first mic that i my first regular paid on air gig was i used the sure sm7b uh i also used the mic called the electro voice re20 those were two that were just ubiquitous i mean they were everywhere in radio stations um throughout the country now these have become particularly popular amongst podcasters and streamers Maybe in part because they look good on video. The the RE20 has a different kind of look, but it's just a very smooth mic. I, I like it very much. Um, and when I think about like all the different options out there, though, there's so many good options right now um, that 
just getting one and not using the built-in mic in your computer is that's where the difference is made. Then you're you're talking little increments after that. Right. Well, that that's the other thing. So then the next, I, I kind of asked you because I ran out of uh, holes in my laptop. <laughs> so I had asked you about um, having, like right now I can only manipulate using my laptop scroll, which I'm messing up right now. I just got <laughs> off on something else. Anyway, so yeah, so um, using my laptop scroll or you know, center bar or whatever, and whatever. Right. And this is a, actually a um, one I can point, like touch screen, luckily for me, because I'm not <laughs> that great without the mouse. But so you had suggested that we're, there was a little thing called an ATEM or an A-T-E-M mini or a ATEM. I guess there's a mini and a not mini. But those would be to have extra things plugged in for your live streaming, like if I wanted use of the mouse. I can either no, have no, a no, mic no. or a mouse right now. No, no, or, no, no. Okay. The ATEM mini would be is if you wanted to have multiple cameras plugged in or multiple That's just sources. for cameras. Yeah. I mean, it's basically for doing a, a, you know, a multiple camera production. Like now, for a cook, they would want their overhead view looking down at the cutting board and they would want maybe, an, you know, the whole kitchen view to see the appliances or right, putting it right. in the oven. And, and now let me just say that you could use StreamYard and you could have a second browser and just bring the video in that way and switch back and forth or put both videos on screen. You don't necessarily have to get something like the ATEM Mini or the ATEM Mini Pro. Oh, there's a it's workaround just, just right, by right. signing different in. Different options. It Got depends it. what cameras you want to use and how sophisticated you want. I, I'm using the ATEM Mini right now, even though I'm only using one camera, because I'm using a mirrorless camera. And so that transfers with what's called an HDMI cable, right? Right. So it has to go into something which then captures that video and sends it to the computer as a USB feed. So it comes in like a webcam. So there's little things called capture cards, which can be as expensive as the camera, depending on what camera you wow. get, or they can be a more affordable that you plug, you plug the HDMI here and then you plug this in by USB. The ATEM Mini allows you to plug four cameras in you do your switching on the ATEM Mini, and then you plug that into your computer, and it sends all that switched, captured video down one USB cord as a webcam feed outputted. And then you, like in StreamYard, you would just choose the ATEM Mini as your camera, essentially. So what device would I use to get a mouse extra hole? There's something called a USB hub. And I, I would say that would be the most cost-effective solution. Um, there's some that have like two or three extra. Basically, you plug it in to your computer via USB, and then you can plug extra USBs into that hub. Okay, that, so might that would be, be the, the easiest way to solve to solve the problem. Yeah, because everything else I got in, I was able to find a uh, HDMI cord to do the second screen when I'm ready to do that with presentations. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, I was like, because so, <laughs> you said all you have to do is plug it in. So then I was like, that's it. I'm going to figure this out. <laughs> and so I did. 
I'm figuring, see, that's the thing too. I think each time you do it, you get a little better. And hopefully that's the case with this show as well. Um, but each of these things are a step up because I right. want to do more than interview. I want to be able to come on and do a presentation and talk about something and show some graphics and what have you. So I'm, I'm taking the show up a not. And notch then as you keep point. adding devices, you run out of electrical sockets and then you get a, uh, a power <laughs> strip. strip. And yeah, now the power strip is full <laughs> and I've got an extension cord running off of that but that extension cord is full so i have a computer that i want to plug in as an extra monitor uh but i haven't found a place to it's exactly to keep it plugged in like so. me there's cords all around me like when i get up i hope i don't trip over one on my way away from the computer. right right if i were to go outside the frame this gets a lot busier exactly so how do you so the other thing that's always mentioned is a stream deck. Can you mm -hmm. explain exactly what that is? Because, you know, I think I'm cool because I have a second monitor mm -hmm. and I can see what I'm doing for a presentation. So that solves my problem with bringing in, you know, a presentation through sure. a stream deck. But is that what that's about? I've never actually used the stream deck, but I my understanding of it is it works like the concept of hot hot keys. Basically, uh. you program a key on your, on your keyboard that when you click that, it means something else. Other, like, it doesn't mean the number one. It brings one. in it a video it, it, or right. it brings in... So you program the Stream Deck for different things. So one button will be to switch shots. Another one will be to show the screen share. Another one might be to fire music or bring in a, a different camera or what have you. One might make your, I, I don't know all the different things it can do, but basically it becomes a way of just clicking a button, not having to, you know, move your mouse around to get it to the spot and, you know. So again, that's taking, I mean, that's taking it up a level, but there's already a workaround and a way to do that, in a, you know, in a little less dramatic and big production way with just having the second monitor, which I'm doing as easily as plugging it into with an HDM cord and working right. it all from one control, which I think is so groovy. Yeah. Uh -huh. And whether I have a second monitor or not, I've been doing everything all these years with my mouse. So even if I'm doing something where I'm switching shots a lot, I'm clicking with my mouse to do it. But at some point, it might be kind of cool to have something and you just start. But I, I don't have that many different things right now, I don't think, that I need. And, and, I, and if I do want to change shots, obviously, I don't have another camera there. But if I did want to change shots, I can do that on the, the ATEM Mini if I had another camera plugged in right now. Right, that's super cool because um, I, I think I think it's gonna. I think the second monitor is gonna work fine for doing the presentations. I experimented with a little with it a little bit. I haven't gone live doing it, but I've been practicing. So when I go live, hopefully it won't be too you know blooper filled. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm good at that so far. So how do you? Uh, so really, at what point they're needed, these things, these an ATEM or a Stream Deck or anything, is based on how you progress in how you want to do your production. And you can really keep it simple as long as you're delivering that quality content. And like, I think, too, when you have an interview, that limits your ability. I didn't want to do a presentation today, mm -hmm. even though you're making great 
points that I could put up, at, you know, for people to, you know, write down or gr grab those points. I didn't want to take time out from the discussion to, to do a PowerPoint or some kind of presentation. But if you're presenting alone or if it's not an interview, the format, depending on the format of what you're trying to accomplish, that might be the way to do it. Yeah, um, one of the things you see, Sue Ann, and you see this at the, even the highest levels of TV news and sports production, is when there are new features that come along or the, the, the company buys some feature and gives it to the broadcast team, there's a sense of, oh, we have this, now we have to use it. And really, you should only add things to the broadcast because there's a reason for it you ask yourself how does this enhance the viewing experience and does it make it easier for the viewers to connect with me does it make it easier for them to consume information or not and i was surprised when i watched an online course by somebody who was a i think very sophisticated in all sorts of online content creation and she basically had herself in a little circle talking and she had a card that just basically had the heading of what she was talking about. And only when she needed to add a graphic or something did she put something up. But otherwise, the lessons were like you really could just listen and take notes or listen and take mental notes and, and, and then go work on what you wanted to work on afterwards. So there's something to be said for simplicity like uh, my old dad says don't fix it if it ain't broke exactly exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> that i'm taking you into the old school right, right, method right. but it's really true and and maybe you and i let's not look at our hair and decide that we might be a little on the older part <laughs> hey i started going gray in my i'm 20s. going blonde i don't know what you're doing <laughs> I, I started going gray in my 20s so uh, okay so that's I, not that's not a, at it. <laughs> that's not a question of age in your case okay? it might be but it Good wasn't always <laughs> So let me ask you this. How do you plan and schedule your show's content? Do you have like a formal like process that you use or do you um, suggest a standard show format for every time or do you vary your format? What's your process? Well, if I'm working with somebody who's looking for consulting, they want me to help them develop a show and have it aligned with their business and so forth. I look at the person and I see how do they perform best? What kind of content fits their personality, fits their style of delivery? What do they like to do? What are they interested in? And how do they work in general? So if you're somebody who likes to have everything organized and likes to have uh, detailed, leaving nothing to chance, then you may want to have every second of the broadcast listed down in a run of show you may want to script parts or even most of a broadcast if you're somebody who's better off the cuff you're somebody who doesn't love structure then you're going to find that you do better without that so there's no one size fits all when i first got into radio i wanted to do music i learned very quickly like within minutes, my my style of talking wasn't going to make me uh, <laughs> a success at doing music. Then I wanted to do news and politics, 
I did an interview and it was okay. And then somebody came into the studio and said, Hey, on your show next week, can we talk, can we talk sports? I'm doing the halftime show for the football game. And it was pretty evident that my style of talking and delivery and so forth was just a natural fit for sports. So you, you, there's, there's, what you're interested in, which is certainly I was knowledgeable and interested in sports, but it wasn't my, it was my, would have been probably my third choice. It wasn't what I was looking to do when I got into radio, when I first started hosting on a little tiny station with, you know, four listeners. But I had to pick something that, you know, I was good at, that worked with who I am and my style of delivery, the sound of my voice, the way I I talk and present. There's there's all these different things you have to look at. What you know, what you're interested in, what your audience is interested in. So there, there's and, and then how you work. Do you work well with a script? Do you work well off the cuff? Do you work well so following do you do, a run of show? Do you do like I did with like like do you pre give questions ahead or anything like that, or do you just do it off the cuff? I will with your if guests. somebody if somebody says, Can I get some questions ahead of time? I will give them an overview of the topics. So here's how I do it. Okay? okay. I have nothing in front of me except if I'm using slides, I can put those slides up and I can use them to remind me where I am in the show. Um, but I generally, I don't have anything in front of me. Um, I can introduce, I, my memory's good. I can introduce a guest I had five years ago if they came on the show now and know what book they wrote or what what they do or what makes them of interest to an audience. So that's that's something that just I can do. And then beyond that, I'm I've done this now so much that I don't I really don't need a script and it would come across a little stilted if I tried to to read. Uh, I'm just more comfortable going going with the flow and, and frankly I'm probably better. But there are times where there's been a difficult topic or somebody's given me information and asked me to talk about something that I don't know. And preparation has been very much the key. If I didn't write something down, if I didn't have some notes, if I didn't go over it once or twice, it might not have come off all that well. So you also have to decide what you're doing. When I was covering sports, I got sent to a sports-related story that was a news story to cover. And I said to one of the news guys, it's kind of weird covering something that I don't know anything about. And he said, well, that's what it's like doing news every day. We, you know, when I go to a game, I know who's playing. I know, you know, I watch the league. I have a general idea of what the sport is about. When, when you go to a news event, it's, it's unpredictable. One day you're covering a fire. Next day you're covering something with nutrition. The next day the governor's getting indicted. You don't know what you're so, <laughs> so again, it depends. If you're covering something you don't know a lot about or where you have to be really precise with the facts and it's not something you talk about frequently, you, you'll want to have some notes, an index card or, you know, a, a, an extra virtual pad open if, on your I computer. think if you're not a pro like you, who, like you say, you already are familiar with your guests. I, I generally am, too, or I wouldn't have asked them on. Exactly. <laughs> I know familiar. why I want to have. That's the biggest yeah, thing. Then why you're do prepared. you want to have somebody on? Because anybody that I've had on since I've been live streaming, with a few exceptions, 
is not a household name, right? So if you're having Tom Hanks on or Julia Roberts or something, you re- you can literally say, ladies and gentlemen, it's Tom Hanks or Julia. You don't, you don't really yeah, yeah. need... But otherwise, you have to have a reason why you're having somebody on if you want to give the audience a reason to tune in. So if I was having you on, I would be talking to you about marketing your business, right? And that's what I, you know, if I just said I'm having Sue Ann on tomorrow, people would be like, interesting, who's Sue Ann? If I said Sue Ann joins us, she's a longtime business owner with a great experience in marketing. She's going to talk about how you can transition to marketing your business online during this lockdown or whatever now people are going okay that that could be information that i need but too many people just go we're having this person on and unless they're doing it in a in a facebook group or something where everybody knows everybody it's not really that effective a promotion because most of the people if you're going to grow your audience you're not growing it necessarily amongst people who know the live streaming social marketing community that that we spend time in. And Ross has been doing the live stream universe show for five years now, five years. So that is how you get the professional background in order to be able to, you know, come off and not have to do a ton of preliminary uh, research and investigation. You're kind of already on top of it. You know what you want to talk about. You know what you're learning. It's part of what, you know, your sphere of things. And what, that's one of the things I love about your shows, Ross, because, you know, live streaming is part of marketing and content marketing and social media marketing and digital marketing. And, you know, it involves equipment like microphones and, uh, you know, people who are really hot in sound and podcasting and you cover all of those related things that still have to do with live streaming or live streaming and it's you know bigger topics around it and that makes it interesting because another thing i think that happens is you hear the same thing over and over that's not bringing something new and exciting to the table and uh you know people get bored i would think with that at least i do i think that that can happen right how many times do you need to listen to the same thing and that's one of the values of doing interviews and bringing on guests people who have expertise in areas where you may have some knowledge you may even be an expert in the area but let's get somebody else's opinion on it or they've worked on something a book they've done they're doing a show they're interviewing thought leaders themselves let's see what they have to bring to the topic and also let's get their audience involved in some cases that helps grow your audience in other cases their audience just comes to see them and it goes back to their properties so and i'm saying that because a lot of people think oh if i get a big name guest on then i'm gonna get you know millions of subscribers and in fact most of those people will come to watch the guest you have to find a way to get them to stay with you and and that can be very hard to impossible at times but other times it's not it just all depends on how you resonate you know it it depends on a lot of things there's things you can do but there's also a lot of intangibles in this you know when you watch the news at night you don't sit there going oh he was good tonight he was great you just know you like this person, you don't like this person. You like how they present something on TV, you like this actor, you don't like them. 
you're not so focused on, oh, they were good this day, that day. So understand people have the same sort of visceral reactions to people they see on, on live streaming. Everybody's not going to like you. Everybody's not going to be a, a perfect fit for your content, for your personality, for your uh, area of knowledge and so forth. So it takes time. It, there's no shortcut. You got to keep going live at least once a week over a long period of time and you've got to hit home it's this time it's this day it's you know this is what the show's about this is what we do this is who's coming on and first of all i want to say two so things. that is one of the things in your process is not only do you you kind of do it informally as far as the interview process and the live stream process, but you don't do it informally in that you do it at a standard like weekly show or you've, you know, got a regular kind of audience kind of built that watch it either live or go back and watch it. I know if I miss it live, I usually go right. look for it because I did want to see the guest or hear the new information. Um, now, that now, this might sound insane, right? But the first year that I was live streaming, the first full year, I started going live late in 2015. So 2016, I was doing a weekly show. By March or April, I had booked out the rest of the year. Every single week was filled with guests. I wow. knew that I wanted to get people who, you know, I wanted to talk to. And I also wanted to show and make a statement to both viewers and to uh, potential guests for other shows that I might do and for future episodes that this is here to stay. Look at these other guests have already committed. You should come on as well. And, and it you was can all start promoting. You can start promoting for the whole season kind of, right? Or do you do it only so far out? Um, I, I tend to, to, to always promote the next thing. It doesn't mean that that's the best way to do it, but I tend to go show to show. So if I'm doing a show on, on Wednesday and then a show the next week on Wednesday, for example, StreamYard Connect, I, I'll be promoting this upcoming show starting later today or tomorrow. But I'm also, the other thing I'm doing is I'm repurposing the past show. And now, as you've showed me a couple new tricks with Agora Pulse that I hadn't been uh using to schedule some things i will probably be repurposing some older content more frequently than just the week that i would have otherwise pushed it out there but there's no, i want to get make the point there's nothing wrong with using notes there's nothing wrong with using a script there's nothing wrong with preparing and rehearsing all of these things can be good if they work for you and it, the At least till you I get the swing of it. Right. <laughs> you don't want to come I'm... on, I think, off the cuff and be unprepared. I've seen so many people come on live and they have nothing to say. Like, why did you come on live? Right. <laughs> like, and the other thing I do like about live is it it gets rid of a little bit of my um, perfection addiction. Yes. Because it's a here you are, do it and done, and here we are. It's what it is, how it is, how it happens, right? Yeah, and the audience is more forgiving when you're live because they know it's live. They know you didn't do seven takes of this. It can't be perfect because live is never perfect. It's not perfect at the highest levels of network television. It just isn't. <laughs> there's people, there's technology, 
there's all sorts of things that that can come up. Uh, but I I do have a plan, and when I invite somebody on a show, I tend to know what I want to talk to them about. I know why I'm inviting them on the show, what that show is likely to be about, and kind of what the storylines are that we would probably. I mean, it's all in my head, but it's it's there, right? And that so. It's not like I'm without you a You still have a framework, yeah, right? I mean, absolutely. And I think in terms of segments, like uh, if you came on, I might ask you about your background as a business owner. Then I, I, this would be in my head. Like, all right, we'll talk to Sue Ann about her background as a business owner. I think the audience would like to know a little bit about who she is. Then I'm going to ask her about her expertise in marketing and how she's doing that online. And finally, it'll be fun to talk to her about how she's using StreamYard and and doing live streaming. But I'm not looking at a list of questions so that when you drop a bomb like, uh, oh, yeah, and the greatest thing about marketing is my last video got 7 million views and I was invited to uh, all the talk shows, the late night talk shows. I'm not (laughs) now going. And so... How do you like live streaming on YouTube? Because that's the next question. I'm going, okay, we're going to follow that road, even if I throw yeah, out everything else. Yeah, tell us else more about right. that. <laughs> yeah. so, so that's what I'm doing. I'm leaving myself the flexibility, and I'm listening to what you say when I'm interviewing you. And then, you know, just so in, in the moment, I don't have pre- a preconceived notion. I have, like, the plan, like this, this broad sort of vague plan that I know that I can always come back to and I can always, okay, like the first topic doesn't, doesn't seem to click or we've exhausted that. I'm going to go, I'm not going to do it at a specific time. I'm just going to go by feel and like, okay, this is good. Okay. This is good. But you know what? I didn't get to something I wanted to talk about, but the conversations move past that. Now I'm not going to go back. Like, if I ask you about being a child and then we start talking about you owning a business, I'm probably not going to head back and ask you about being a teenager unless I know that it's a audience grab gripping story. Right. Like, right. I'm going to just like it, it moves along. You only have so much time. So don't think that there isn't a, a method to it. And in the beginning, jotting down some notes about, uh, say, three three topic areas or semi sort of semi segments that you want to cover in an interview can be really helpful because too many times I see people interviewing somebody and the interview ends when they run out of questions and the interview should end either when you planned it to end because you always do a guest segment that's 25 minutes or 45 minutes or it should end just naturally because it was a great conversation and that or there's nothing there, but it shouldn't just end because your list, your list of questions. End. So right. if you listen to the person, you should always have another question that you can you can ask. Sometimes you can get a lot out of people by just reflecting what they said and then they'll go they'll go deeper into it. So uh, I like that the fact that you're kind of covering a few things that we wanted to, that I wanted to talk about. Things like, you know, how you plan it, if you have to, you know, stick with a certain format, um, if guests are a must. I think, uh, that they, that you usually have a guest. What's your thought on guest or solo? 
Hmm, that's a good question. My my thought when I started doing this, and I was very, uh, every show was an interview show, just about. And the reason I did that is I felt, first of all, that's what I'm, I'm good at interviewing. I'm comfortable with it. I know that I don't have to worry, what if I don't have something to say? And that's something everybody, like, what if I go live and there isn't enough, there isn't enough meat on the bone, right, about the topic that I was going to talk about? Right. So I don't have to worry about that as much with a guest because I can always ask another question or always go a different route or, you know, I, I just know that I can do that with a guest. Uh, so and the other thing was that this is a, a social platform. It's a social medium. There's an engagement with the chat. There's we're on a social we're on social site websites. So having a conversation to me seems a great way to also get a conversation going amongst the people watching amongst people with each other in the chat conversation leads to more conversation right now that doesn't mean I don't I didn't do where I would jump on live by myself where it wasn't a show and I would just start talking about something of interest or just chatting with the people that come in those are fun I don't do them enough and I always enjoy them when I do them and I'll take any questions and, you know, maybe sometimes I'll even bring somebody out of the chat and just come on in. That's interesting. I want to hear more about that. And then that kind of goes from being uh, an informal to like, OK, we've got an interview going on here. Right. Uh, but so in more recent years, I've done much more solo stuff and I'm comfortable with it. And in fact... I had a guest cancel, I did a show, and it was one of my more popular shows. So I could go either way. I think it's nice to have a mix. So I yeah, do that's the first what I'm doing, 20 minutes I alone, then I bring a guest on for about 35 minutes, then I, I do about 5, 10, 15, 20, you know, I do a wrap-up after that. Yeah, yours is kind of a mix. It's a guest and some solo uh like um segments i guess huh mm. um because my podcast was always a lot of it was me talking about a topic or covering a topic but i've had some interviews but now with the with the show going as a live video i've been trying to bring in guests because i feel like with the live video that's an interesting thing to do but i still have topics i want to cover and i'm a little shy about doing it on my own since mm. i'm still building the live <laughs> audience too but you know what again when you go on and you produce whatever you produce and especially if you do it live it's done and it's out there and so it's a beautiful way to make content so i'm thinking i might might get brave and try them even that way but having people like you on is even better you know I, <laughs> I know you. i've been learning a lot today i hope that everybody else is i don't want to take up to i know we're over we're over a little over an hour now i did have a couple more questions sure. but i don't want to do you have another minute to just ask of you course. one last question of course as so, long as you need Okay. I don't get tired till about five hours. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's no, that's I, I really got, I got a few more minutes, so it's fine. Go ahead. So you do promote shows ahead, but and your best t technique to do so is to just, you know, bring them up on previous shows, kind of like talk about it, and then use your social scheduling like Agora Pulse. Is that probably the routine? I would say that I design a, I design a show card, a graphic, one that'll be the primary graphic, uh, that that also can be a YouTube thumbnail cover or a, you know, Facebook video cover. 
And then sometimes I'll do a, a square graphic or a uh, one that, you know, vertical that you could run in stories. I design the graphic. Then after that, I schedule it in StreamYard. And so then I get the links of where it's going to be on Facebook and YouTube. Do you schedule it far advance in StreamYard so it comes up in your channels as scheduled? Because, like, I was afraid to do mine until today, but I probably could have done it earlier in this week for today. I, I mean, I've done it, it, I've done it a, as much as a week ahead. Okay. And the different platforms have different rules how far ahead you can do it. I'm not oh. sure how far. Um, and, and I mess around like I, sometimes I'll schedule it real close. Sometimes I'll schedule it real far. I'm always trying to see like does it make a difference. And of course, there's so many variables that you never know what the the reason why one show does better. Excels, you know, you, you right. always think, OK, I did this thing different. Yeah, but you had a different topic, a different guest. It was a different day. <laughs> you know, there right. was news that day. The other day there wasn't, you know. So who knows? But I've tried it different ways just to see how it goes. But in general, four to five days ahead. But I've done it the night before. But I think it's what's great about it is you get the link. And then you can share that link in all your promotional posts. Yeah. So I, just I would, that I would out. suggest that, that because then I see your post on Twitter. I can click on that link and then I can click get reminder on Facebook or set reminder on YouTube. And now I I'm going to get a, a notification because even if I have my notifications turned on and I have the bell set to ring like I do on YouTube when you go live, I don't always I don't always get a notification. Or I'm not as aware. But if you set that reminder, it'll start. And if you do it on more than one channel, they all start jumping up in your notifications. It's kind of cool because, you yeah. know, a few people after my last show, which was the first time I really invited anyone to the live audience or promoted <laughs> it. I've been practicing in secret. Uh, mm -hmm. But that, when I did that, people were asking for the link and I wasn't exactly sure how to do that. So I was just kind of sending them to my channel. And now I realize that you can actually schedule it and get a link and give them the link ahead of time. And then now a step further i learn you can they can then set a bu buzzer to get a reminder so no one has to miss it yes. and <laughs> we have a couple more comments coming in oh it's dana dana from um Streamyard. dana from two cents with benson yeah Tuesday two night cents at marketing benson we love marketing <laughs> marketing is easy <laughs> thanks danny dana for coming in i appreciate that um, so then scripting and storyboards, you're more like free flow. It was at the bottom line. Yeah, for the most part. And what's your best advice for people developing their shows? And how do you do it? How do you develop that show that's going to be a really good one? Well, I think you have to be interested in the topic, right? If you're not interested in what you're doing and you just think, well, I should talk about this because it's sort of related to my business, it, it probably talk about something you're interested in that you can, obviously, if you can tie it to your business, that's great. But the more interested you are in the subject, the more you'll look forward to going live, have guests on that you want to talk to, that you're interested in what they have to say rather than somebody because you think that they're going to bring an audience or they're a big name or I'm you, usually you looking to, to learn for me while, right. while I'm helping my exactly <laughs> exactly who would I like to spend an hour with pick, learning about I wanted to pick Ross's brain right. so I asked him 
Right. It's it's a it's a cheaper way to get the advice that you need is to just have them on a show and interview them, right? So uh my yeah, my cheap advice. Like, thank no, you, Ross. I mean, consistent, <laughs> consistency, consistency, consistency when you're starting out. You you st- you pick a time and you know, unless it really isn't working, stick to that time, stick to that show title, keep your branding from changing every single week and just Get known that every, you know, every Wednesday at 2 p.m. I'm doing StreamYard Connect. And every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, Dana and Kelsey are doing StreamYard Spotlight. And every Friday at noon, Sue Ann is mix, shake, and sizzle. Or- right, mix, sizzle, and shake your business live on video today with Ross Brand. I can't you tell go. you how much I appreciate you being here, Ross. Did I miss anything at all? I don't think so. I, I think that was a very thorough interview. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too because I always I enjoy you in general. And also, thank I thank you for all the things that you've taught me um, about live streaming and about interviewing, about mics and uh, equipment and uh, the things that you shared today. Now, if you didn't get to catch the show, make sure you uh, check us out on a replay. Make sure you maybe, you know, hashtag replay or whatever you're supposed to do. (laughs) Right, Ross? (laughs) And I will be coming back live because each time I do it, I feel a little bit more confident and I feel like um, it's fun and it's a great way to learn. And that's what I appreciate most about being online. I'm in a constant learning. I've been in a constant learning mode my whole life, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) might as well keep it up. I know you're the same way. And that's one of the things too. Ross is always testing things and trying things and, you know, get bringing it back to people. And that's what I'd like to also be able to do. So thank you for your time today. Thank you for for stopping in the people that stopped and... I really appreciate everything today. Thank okay. you so much. Talk to you soon, Ross. Talk to you, everybody. See you again for Mix Sizzle and Shake Your Business. <laughs> Take care.